no nonsense. You sit there and don't move. Now, uh, how about my 5,000 bucks? No, that's not our dog. Ours was a talking dog. Uh, it's the talking dog. <laughs> that's silly. If he could talk, I'd keep him myself. Well, fat boy, you got yourself a dog. <laughs> Max, come to California. We could play tennis outdoors every day. It's what I'd say if I was in California, could hit a tennis ball or ever went outside. But lo and behold, we are in California. Yes, it's the Nightfly Podcast during the day from sunny L.A. And it all starts right now. Hey now. Here we are, sunny L.A., the Nightfly podcast from a remote location somewhere in Los Angeles. That's right. A series of very special episodes, just the way different strokes used to do it real good. Yeah, here we are in L.A., and uh, I'm I'm putting my thing, because I can never concentrate with the music, but I like to keep it going until the end, but it drives me crazy. I don't know why. But I am here. We are here at Exhaust Studios. And I am here with the great Red Grant and Gene, who we like to call Yu Yu. <laughs> but I'm going to call him Yu Who, because that is what I do. <laughs> and I am here with my very special guest and special friend. And when I mean special, I mean he's a homosexual. Um, please say hello to William McLaughlin, everybody. Hi, David. Hello, William. How are you? Don't you have a wonderful speaking voice? Look, you even got applause. <laughs> which is odd. That's something you weren't used to when you used to do comedy. Am I right? <laughs> you doing? All right, I'm going to turn off the music. I can't take it anymore. I can't concentrate with it. Is that all right? Anyway, we are... Oh, shit. I, this is the way my podcast usually is. It's a mess. It's all over the place. But I'm having a good time. Now, um, yeah, we're at this very... You know, awesome studio location in Los Angeles, and uh, that's the plan. Uh, Vanessa Barrios, uh, my manager, she set it all up, and it, it's it's fantastic here. We are in the the coolest of studios, as you know. I usually do the podcast, you know, either from my bedroom, where the ladies like to come, because <laughs> or I do it from my kitchen table. And uh, but today, yeah, very like this, like I wasn't expecting this loveliness where it's like couches and we could just relax. And I'm just like, no, I have everything on my computer and this is the way I do it. But I need to learn how to relax. But I've never been a chill guy. So I can't, I can't relax and I can't chill. This is what I do. This is why you guys have never heard of me before. This is why they're like, can't you just relax and just talk about yourself on stage? No. I like to tell horrible jokes and I want to keep messing up and keep having a day job because I have a fear of success. But you do that very, very well. Though. I do. I'm really good at that. <laughs> I'm really good at that. And William, who I've known for, I mean, how many years now has it been? 25, 30? 25 years. And William is actually the reason why everything is bad in my life. <laughs> and for a guy that uh, helps other folks get back on their feet, you have done the opposite to me. 
And um, I just wanted to bring you on this podcast and call you out for it. I hate you. I knew that. I knew that. I knew you had you were saying. I've already moved my stuff out of your apartment today. (laughs) Fuck you and your boyfriend or whatever you people call it nowadays with your your gay marriage and the like. And you know how I hate gay marriage. I know. know. Because uh, I'm against gay marriage because my gay friends now have family obligations. It used to be where I'm a single guy and I could hang out with my gay friends and at least rely on them to hang out all night long. But now my friends are like, well, you said you were coming to my mother's today. I'm like, now they have problems like any other domestic couple that I know. And that is not supposed to be the case. We weren't supposed to be so forgiving. Now all the parents are like, I'm okay with this. I'm like, they're not supposed to be okay with this. It's supposed to be all about me. This is unfair. But you and your boyfriend... Um, I don't know why. I have Which doesn't trouble. sound right, because we're no, both in our... You're, like, like, kind of married, though, right? Well, or, yeah, we just haven't done it yet. That's but you can nowadays. Oh, not in California? No, we can. No, I'm we, No, California's... <laughs> I thought maybe it was the opposite of everywhere else, where in California, everything is legal, like weed, and it's not in New York, so I thought maybe they are, love weed, but not gay marriage. Well, there was, a, there was a time where there was most other states had legalized it, and then California had some weird issue with it. Isn't that weird? Because this is where gay stuff used to happen. It originated yeah. from California, from mm-hmm. what I was told. You know, from the seventies, from all the movies I saw. Do you know only... why San Francisco was the was no where actually? It all I... Tell us, because in World War Two, <laughs> you know when what? all the sailors and everything was coming back. Boring. From, I'm just saying. No, no, tell me. Oh, so well, here's sailors. what happened. So Seattle, San Francisco, and C- uh, San Diego have these huge gay communities, and the reason is when all the military folks came back from the Pacific uh, War, the uh, the government didn't want to pay all their benefits. So they had to come up with a scheme to uh, discharge people dishonorably so they didn't pay for GI Bill and stuff like that. So they went on a witch hunt, and the American Medical Association had uh, a hand in this. They deemed homosexuality to be a mental illness and then went on a witch hunt and discharged, and they all stayed where they were discharged, which was San Francisco, San Diego, See, everything you're saying just sounds gay, like discharge. And, uh, <laughs> you know, everything you're saying is just, it's not but you, you know, learned, But you case. learned a little something. I, I did, but I was you bored did. every time you were talking I, about it. Like, I it was know. just, I don't know, it wasn't working for me. It wasn't as fascinating as I wanted it to be, and yet it's completely fascinating. The origination of gay people. I thought it was the Romans, but I guess I was mistaken. The Greeks. The oh, was Greeks. the Greeks? I guess I'm always thinking of that scene from History of the World, which we usually uh, play a clip of. Um, let me see if I can find The Romans ripped off one. the Greeks. The Romans ripped off the Greeks. Wait, where is that thing that I always play? This is what I do. Oh, let's see. This is what... Uh, yeah, it's not very uh, organized. Here it is. Right now, David is looking for a clip. <laughs> I just got back from Venice, and boy, are my arms tired. <laughs> Let me tell you about Venice. Venice is a very old city. Very old. Very wonderful city. Ancient city. You can learn a lot in Venice. You want to know how to make a Venetian blind? Like this. Oh, <laughs> Have you all heard about this new sect, the Christians? They are a laugh riot. First of all, they are so poor. How poor are <laughs> Thank you. They are so poor that they have only one God. <laughs> and we Romans are rich. We got a lot of gods. We got a God for everything. The only thing we don't have a God for is premature ejaculation. But I hear that that's coming quickly. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> yeah, that's why I played the entire clip, just for that one. <laughs> My favorite. <laughs> I don't think you can get away with that I nowadays. am appalled. <laughs> <laughs> the fag gets it. <laughs> I'm just going to keep doing that line all day if you don't mind. <laughs> You're staying where tonight? Well, I... <laughs> Well, I always use the excuse that I'm an old man. I don't know any better. Wait, you can't call people fags anymore. <laughs> but it is kind of funny that Mel Brooks, like Don Rickles, gets away with that kind of stuff. You know, like nobody can get away with that now. Like, but how is that okay? What clip is that from that he's saying premature? Oh, it was from the movie. Yeah, it's from the movie oh, History right, of the right. World Part One. He wasn't doing the Steve Allen show or anything. No, he was not doing the Steve <laughs> Allen. Do you think he'd be doing that? But yeah, that's, that's coming. <laughs> the Steve Allen show, the worst person ever. People are like, oh, Steve Allen's a genius. Steve Allen was an uh, asshole. Not funny at all. No, not funny not at funny all. At I don't all. know where he got a reputation for being great, and no one cares. And I'm he glad he's dead, first, and he, I hope he never comes back. He was just the first guy to do the Tonight Show, that's all. Yeah, that's all it is. And yeah, he was so unfunny, and I think your parents would always try and convince you that he was hilarious. Like Milton Berle, who we never, you know, people our age never understood. And like, oh, he was so hilarious. His show was so funny. I'm like, well, I've seen the show, and it's not. But you know like, what? No, but when he dresses up like a woman, I'm like, still not funny. But you know what? I was in an elevator with him at the Aspen Comedy Festival. If this is about his penis. You can just stop. No, right. Enough but- with the gay stuff, William. Enough. <laughs> no, but, but I'm not starstruck by too many people, but... To meet Milton Berle, no, who I... even then was wearing makeup, which was odd because we were just out oh. in, in normal, just, he was, but he was, he had like old man makeup on, which was strange. Are you but... making fun of me? Oh, because I, I put on a little bronzer. I mean, what's the big <laughs> deal? My God, you're such an... Even, even with bronzer, so I, even I with bronzer, on, I, you look like you're... You, you have uh, that stuff deficient. at your house. I have all my, my toiletries. You know, I have my moisturizer <laughs> and my base. Uh, I, you know, I've always often thought about wearing makeup out. I mean... Uh, People do it all the time. But I guess, like you said, if somebody sees you in an elevator, they're like, what the <laughs> fuck? What's with this guy? But around here... I, I, I can't deny if I... Saw Milton Berle like in an I'd be like, right. oh my god, I saw Milton Berle today. And then, and then an hour later, I saw Dick Cavett, and I'm like, well, I've already seen Milton Berle. I don't care about Dick Cavett. I would prefer to see Dick Cavett. Dick Cavett, not funny in person. Um, I believe you. You know, I watch a lot of his shows now on that Decades channel, and um, they're completely fascinating. I mean, he had everybody on. Well, he, he gave had, a good interview. So John but... and Yoko were on, you know, right. where, of course, he was just like, Yoko, why are you even here? And, <laughs> and, they're, uh, and they're all smoking? It's fascinating. Well, that's why I was, uh, that's what I was going to just tell you. I, um, the reason I have you on the show today, you know, because I want you, you're, I always say you're my co-host all week, which is because uh, I base everything on the old Mike Douglas show uh, from the 70s. From Phil- shot in Philadelphia. I know, isn't that crazy? Which is weird. You wouldn't anyway, think... Oh, here's the... Oh, I have, I'm playing a clip. Oh, is it, oh, it takes a long time. <laughs> well, I mean, it doesn't. I think the clip that I got takes a long time. Welcome to the Mike Douglas Show. <laughs> I'm Richard Thomas, and I'm Mike's co-host. <laughs> With us on the show this will is be... The, this is, wait, wait till you see who's on this show. Oh, hold on. Is this Richard Thomas from... Uh... From Waltons. The Waltons, right? <laughs> so this was your job. You're supposed to be like, I'm the co-host all this week because he would always have a co-host all this week and it was always Mason Reese. I don't know if you guys know who that was. He was this fat, disgusting uh, kid that was like a commercial star. Right. And here's the funny... Here's what I... Well, I'll tell you this in a second. But um, so this clip is unbelievable. This clip takes place in 1977. Listen to who the guest stars are. From the new film Star Wars, Carrie Fisher. 
Mark Hamill. <laughs> and Harrison Ford. What? Now it gets even better. From the Cincinnati Reds, Pete Rose. <laughs> oh my God! Tom Seaver. <laughs> Singer Billy Paul. And the mime troupe, Woman Shot. Yes! <laughs> Best Mike Douglas show ever. Did you guys know what Moomin Chance was? No. They were like the Blue Man when... group of their time. Yeah, yeah. They were you the Blue Man. That's an excellent way. They were a Blue Man group of time. They, they would have television commercials where they have somebody <laughs> dressed and he's just a roll of toilet paper. And they would take off the toilet paper and just, and they, and just walk off like a crab. And that's with the commercials. And you're like, I don't want to see that. Well, so I don't know who right. went, but they were very popular, <laughs> they right? Were. Well, I don't know, if they, but they were a good guest to have on. Now, I don't know whether you guys know, but um, I have told some of the finest people in the, on the planet, the comedians, that they will never make it in show business. Um, for instance, uh, Jim Gaffigan. Why would I told no, that he was a horrible actor. I said, listen, you're a funny guy, but you're a horrible actor. You're not going to make it. And he was mad at me for 15 years. He, but- wanted, he wanted us to manage him, me and Campbell, and he was too weird. He, he hung outside our offices. See, so I'm, I'm not crazy. You were and I'm like, on. listen, kid, you're not going to make it. You know, we're the same age. But I was just like, you're horrible. You're a horrible actor, and it's just not going to work out for you. So for 15 years, right. he just went across. He's like, I'm going to show that Dave Juskow. <laughs> and now we're very good because he realizes he's won. Um, he's beaten me. Uh, in Do you matter, keep in touch and, with him? Not only am I in touch with him, but he was just on Broadway like two right. years ago, and right. I had to go backstage and be like, all right, I get it already. <laughs> I mean, when you tell somebody they're not going to be a good actor, and then I have to go see him um, on Broadway. backstage <laughs> on his Broadway show, I'm an asshole. <laughs> so I did that with him. I did this well, with... Didn't, um, he made it, but he was one of those guys that got one of those serial commercials... That totally established, like that girl from the Progressive commercial whose career is made. Oh, right, right. That, well, he that, that, started right. by, he had, I forget what the commercial was. Did he? Are were. you sure he was a commercial? I mean, he yeah, was he still had, a funny stand-up, though, so. He was. I just was, didn't, I really didn't think he was. He and Tom Shalhoub. Going to be an actor, and then he's got his own show, let alone the Broadway's in movies and stuff. It's amazing. Know. Right, him and Tom Shalhoub um, were on a, it's Shalhoub, like the I, corny tour. A, what is it called? I, no, that's what I call it. Oh, it was the white people tour or well, something. Well, the corny right? tour. <laughs> corny tour? <laughs> corny tour. Um. Yeah, because Tom Shalhoub is the whitest of white people. Um, he's Dave Waterman would have been if Dave Waterman. I have a theory about Carrie uh, Prusa, by the way. Oh, we decided he was a heroin junkie, right? Well, that. Oh, I did don't you not want me to put that? No, out I there? have a theory that Carrie uh, Prusa came. That he, sh- you know how uh, the Office, the whole, the, the show, The Office. Nobody knows that show. <laughs> and Steve Carell's character and all yeah. of that. Think about who Carrie Prusa is and what the characters he always plays. Yes, yeah. he would have been ideal for that. I liked of, working with this guy, Kerry Prusa, because no matter what we did, he would always wear an ascot. And yeah. I appreciate someone who can pull that off. And, uh, but Kerry, I think, was ahead of his time in terms of, terms of playing that's these true, that's true. uptight white guys, him and Dave Waterman. Yeah. Same, same thing. But, and, why, but they were both, you know, had uh, alcohol and drug problems, and well, that's that why they didn't make you Yeah, but I didn't have one, and I still haven't made it. It's not fair. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. I've done everything to, correctly, to, except for telling all these people that they stay. Actually, what you don't know is this is an intervention. All these guys what? are here. I knew it. <laughs> Uh-oh. Just because I got really wasted on Saturday, that's it. Um, wait, I want to tell you one. Oh, wait. Wait, here's, this is the, what, the point of the story I was saying is that I knew the Blue Man Group when they were first starting their thing. And I definitely said, you guys are the stupidest people I've ever met in my entire life. Why blue? Life. Why blue? <laughs> yeah, I was just, they're like, no, the, I knew their roommate, Juliet. Do you remember that girl, Juliet, Alan's friend, Alan Klein, whatever. 
And she's like, my roommates, they're great. And I met them. They're nice guys. And they're like, yeah, they're doing this amazing thing downtown where they dress up blue. And I'm like, and what else? No, that's it. <laughs> they just wear blue paint, and then they just do musical stuff. I'm like, that is the stupidest thing. And when I see them, I'm going to tell them to their face how stupid it is. And I did. I'm like, you guys are wasting your time. This is the dumbest thing. Four billion dollars later. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, I actually saw them when I was producing up in Boston, and I had David Cross and that whole crew. I would go down to New York because I was doing it at the Charles Playhouse, and I had made a deal with the Playhouse owner that we would fill stage time after their main show. Would really? End. So I would go. That's how I found Funny Game Males. But I went down. What? And, <laughs> Ew. I went down to New York, and I found Blue Man Group. They were just doing bits and pieces of their show. And and I thought, oh, these guys are great. And well, I hadn't seen them perform. So when you when you're telling somebody this is the plan, <laughs> and you haven't seen it, like until you see it, you're like, oh, I get it now. But if somebody's just going to tell you they're going to paint their bodies blue and eat and marshmallows, mush- marshmallows, right, right, <laughs> then you're like, you are an asshole. You're just an asshole. Everything you say is stupid. I don't, I, and then they were such nice guys. Even yeah. after I said that. I went down to go see the show. Like, after I come back, my favorite thing is just, like, I come back after the show. After I tell them they're, they're idiots, they're wasting their time and money. I come out, I'm like, that wasn't that bad. Uh, you know, <laughs> that's my favorite thing. You come out of the movie theater, and you're like, that wasn't that bad. <laughs> I remember, I saw, um, Jeff Garland made a movie called Someone to Eat Cheese With, which Sarah was in, which yeah. I believe that he, uh, I remember when Jimmy Kimmel and Sarah were dating. We were pretty sure that Jeff Garland only made the movie so he could make out with Sarah, which is a very smart move. Um, now, so they have a scene where Jeff Garland is auditioning for this uh, Marty, the uh, the remake of Marty, uh, no. but but he's using Aaron Carter, I think it was a little from a boy band, right? You know who that is, right? He was like seventeen at the time, and they're like, "But that doesn't make any sense. Marty's supposed to be about a middle aged man who lives with his mother." And like, well, we're changing it. And Richard Kind was his agent. And it was really funny. He was using the entire cast of Curb Your Enthusiasm, pretty much. Oh, okay. So, but the best part is, like, this is the stupidest movie. This is a disaster. You can't remake this this way. And then uh, him and his friend are coming out of it, and they're like, that was not bad. Like, it's, like, it's like my favorite gag. You know? <laughs> Meanwhile, I went to the movie, the premiere with Sarah Silverman, and uh, she gets naked in the movie, like a shower scene. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? And she goes, I'm like, you, you got naked? And she goes, yeah, I'm going to get naked for the Jeff Garland project. It's a body double. <laughs> was it? Like, yeah, it was. I, mean, I believe you, her. How, there was no reason to lie. Think but how did she that. look? How did the body double oh, look? Amazing. <laughs> was it all, was the, was everything? Everything was doubled. You know, <laughs> titty, <laughs> bush. <laughs> it was all out there. Well, I mean, you've <laughs> seen her. Have you seen her naked? Oh, my God. Countless times. Yeah. yeah I see her naked all the time. And how did the Doesn't, body, did the body double Body double was better. Okay. I okay. think she would tell you that. All I right. mean, why would you get a body exactly. double and not you make it better? Right, exactly. <laughs> or, like, well. I wanted to get a body double when I was in Crashing. Obviously. Because <laughs> they make fun of my titties and that show, and it's not. It's one not, of the best. One of the not best. Not very nice. No, but one of the best. Yes, but it's not very polite. And you people on Twitter are very cruel. <laughs> <laughs> I have it. It's a glandular problem. <laughs> People were making for call me but, Chunk from uh, was uh, that Goonies. <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, there's there's this footage of uh, who's the kid in the, the Pete Holmes, and they're like, oh, what what you know? They have one of those uh, DVD, the Blu-ray 
extras. And they're like, what is the hardest you ever laughed on the set? He goes, oh, it's probably when Dave just got came up in that towel and his <laughs> boobs are all over the place. And I'm like, oh, well, that's just perfect. <laughs> was that how the scene was cut, though? Was that the was that your first? Yeah, that was that, that I, was it. Oh, you mean, oh, was that? Yeah, that, that uh. yeah, it was really difficult. You know, one of my favorite films, as everybody listens to this podcast knows, is um, <clears throat> Notting Hill. And, you know, <clears throat> as gay as it is, uh, it... Uh, I, I don't know, you know the movie. What is the movie? Notting Hill? Yeah, it's, um, you know, I like... This is you your know, favorite movie? It, it's, yes, because the director, this guy who wrote it and directed his name is Richard Curtis. He also wrote and directed Love Actually and Four Weddings and a Funeral. I'm actually doing, as everybody knows, on December 19th at the Comedy Cellar, I'm doing Love Actually like I did Grease. <laughs> I'm rewriting Love Actually. I rewrite these classics. I rewrite The Godfather. I don't know because, if Love Actually is considered a classic. Yeah, it is, William. <laughs> In your gay world, you may not know it, but it I is. I would think, as a gay guy, I would think no. I would be on board with that. I know, that, that's what I mean. I was trying to sound tough, but uh, yeah, no. I'm gayer than you are. And I'm... <laughs> that's always been the issue. I know. It's, I know. It's like he's the, the straightest of straight. Like all of our, my other gay friends, like, I have three. And um, Alan and Lee. Lee is... More manlier than I am, right. you know, like, which is so funny, uh, which is an embarrassment for everybody. But yeah, so I like these rom-coms, cause, but I like the way they're written. I have to, I have to always explain, I'm like, no, but they're really good writing. Oh, shut up. Um, but, they have the, but it's really good, and the supporting character is great. But here's the reason why I like it, and I've played it for people before. Uh, actually, I can, I can find the clip. Um, it's, um, yeah, I think I have it. Let me see. What, what was the name of the show? Uh, uh, why can't I think? Oh. Are you going to Google right now? No, no, no. I, I think I have all these clips. Oh, I don't have that one. Okay, so the reason why I like this uh, Notting Hill and these shows is because in the 80s, and I didn't realize it was the same guy, this guy Richard Curtis made this TV show called The Black Adder with Rowan Atkinson. Right. Mr. Bean. Right. Right. So I didn't know it was the same guy. So I like, liked this guy since the 80s because there was this, when I was a kid, there was a, a scene in this, in this TV show where Hugh Laurie, who's a house, he's the right, prince right. and he is an idiot. And the butler is Rowan Atkinson, and he's smarter than the prince. Okay. And that's the, so that's already a funny premise to me as a kid like watching, but I didn't care for British television, but I was like, this one I, I like, I, I'm getting it. Right. And so the prince, Hugh Laurie, puts his money in to invest in this new book called The Dictionary, because it takes place in the 1700s or 1600s or something. He's, he's investing <laughs> in this new book called The Dictionary, Mr. Webster's coming over to, um, to pitch the prince so he'll put money into it. And the Black Adder is really angry because he's like, that sounds like a stupid book. So of course, I'm already like, yeah, you know, because like, you know, I like telling people everything stupid that they do. So, um, so Mr. Webster comes in and he goes, and he keeps going, he keeps toying with them, and he goes, well, I'll be back with your drinks philippidaciously. And then Webster just keeps writing, damn it! He's like writing in his book. He's like, damn it, I forgot that one. And I was like, that's the funniest thing I've ever seen. And this is the guy that writes these Notting Hill and stuff like that. I'm like, I like this guy. I don't know. But, the, but what, who's in Notting He's Hill? a good writer. And he wrote an episode of Doctor Who in this oh. really good one where they go back and they meet Van Gogh and uh, it's, uh, <coughs> it's mushy. All right, I'm the gay guy here. Whatever. No, but what is, who's in Notting Hill? Who is, I don't know. Uh, well, there was this woman who made a little noise in the business, Julia Roberts. Oh. Uh, let's see. Uh, <laughs> you piece of crap. How could you not know? Uh, Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts. Okay. It's the two of them. What do you think and, of Juliet Binoche? Well, she's old now, right? Right, but she was in I that Water like for it. Chocolate and stuff. Oh, like yeah, yeah. I've she was like a lot the of go-to foreign film woman. Yeah, that's true, that's she's true. Horrible. I don't care for her anymore. I don't like her. I liked her when she was young and pretty. Maybe, but just Oh, the is name... that rude? No. 
No, but Julia Pinochet. Women hate when you do that. No, but Julia Pinochet. Now I'm doing my Ruth Gordon imitation. Because <laughs> you hate that. Remember? It used to be a Who classic. Who Ruth Gordon? What? I used to love that imitation. <laughs> no, I, I love it, but I'm saying today. No, nobody knows. I know the kids listen well, the, to you. When I Listen, this is the podcast that I do where they, <laughs> nobody knows anything I'm talking about. For instance, this is the song we play all the time. Now, this is from a show from the 70s with... Did you guys? I don't know how old you guys are, but um, I'm sure you're, you look really young. Um, you remember the Brady Bunch? And they had this guy, Cousin Oliver. He that was the jump you'd the shark. You'd recognize him if you saw. Like the, him. Right, you'd recognize him. He had like the bowl cut hair and glassy. I was trying to get him on the show. He would have been here today. Yeah, I was like dying to have him on because he was like in every show in the '70s. Like, it was my guy idol. Like I love. I was just like this guy gets so much work when I didn't even know what work was. You know, like so he looks like he looks like he'd be related to Paul. This singer from oh, the- you're right. He looks like Paul Williams, the guy you that wrote know, the Muppet remember, movie songs right. and stuff. Uh, you guys wouldn't know that either, right? No, um, but you'd know Paul Williams. Uh, what's the band? What's the music act that's been that redid a lot of his music? I have no idea. From the seventies, there's the guys that wear did. the head the the headpieces. What the, the house band? The house. Uh, go ahead, I'll figure. No, it out. I don't know. Would uh, somebody redoes his music? His songs are really yeah. Sad. They can't. Uh, I think he writes it. That's just an old fashioned love song. They right, did right, a documentary. Right. He, some guy followed him around. And it turned out all of his songs were really sad and depressing, which you never thought of until you heard them all in a row. And I'm like, oh my god. Well, he the came. From, he this band cel- or this producing group celebrated an era. And they came, they had a big... Uh, but he wrote the Rainbow Connection for the Muppet movie, you know, like, why are <laughs> there so many songs about rainbows? And what's on know, the this... other side? Yeah. Anyway, this kid was in this show called Big John, Little John. And the premise was um, this guy uh, from the Golden Girls, his, uh, B. Arthur's husband, found the Fountain of Youth, and then he turned into this little kid. But the opening song is unbelievable. Listen to this. One minute he's 40, the next he's 33. Big John keeps a changing before your very eyes. He's 25, and then 19, then 12 years old in size. Big John, little John, what a way to grow. Big, wait, pay attention. <laughs> but it continues. <laughs> I like these 70s songs because they just continue and tell you the premise for about 20 right. minutes. And then there's only five minutes left for the show. It's brilliant. It was a brilliant way to just kill time. You, every week. That's why they've stopped making those openings for television shows because people realize they're like, they're, we're not getting any content. And let's continue. He drank a little drink. And then that magic water is the thing that made him shrink. <laughs> now, even when he's little John, he never knows just when. <laughs> and rearranged, and he's Big John again. Live that studio is some audience. Classic right. stuff, huh? <laughs> Film before a live studio audience. Daft Big Punk. Big John, Little John has been right. That, that's Daft Punk. That's what Paul Williams. Oh, Daft so Punk. Daft Punk did a whole sort of homage to Paul Williams and his sort of era of of whatever that music was that they did. But anyway. I think Paul Williams was also the villain in a Kiss movie. The band Kiss. They had a television. I'm show surprised you Phantom of the Phantom of the. 
Damn it! Was that? Do I have but that? But Paul right? Williams was a was a was a. He did everything. Yeah, he was in the Odd he Couple. Wrote Evergreen, right for the Barbara Streisand. Right, right. Yeah, he made he, he did that, but he was also like kind of like he was like a strange like in the seventies. He was like one of those guys like everybody knew as a songwriter, but he also had like he was in um he was an entertainer. Smokey and the Bandit, right? Him and the, and the Chuck McCann, they were right. the guys that bet they would give the Bandit money to move the elephants or whatever. Um, Oh, that's my. You know that's they, the they get all crazy about the Hangover movies and all that, and everybody loves the Hangover movies. Look at what Smokey and the Bandit was. Look at like uh, Around the World in Eighty Days. Look at um, uh, what was the one with the truckers? Same idea, right? Convoy. Convoy. <laughs> Here, this is a. This, this is when everybody works. was hot for. <laughs> Eastbound down, load them up and truck it. We gonna do what they say can't be done. We got a long way to go and a short time to get there. It's the best song ever. I know, and it made it was like a top forty. It was. It was that and Laverne. That's Jerry thing. Reed, I think, right? Jerry, Jerry Reed. Sometimes I get him and Jerry Jones mixed up. I think they all hate Jews and black people, so I don't know. That's why I just assume it. Just assuming. Anytime you have a banjo, look out, is what I'm saying. Pretty much. But this song is so kick ass. But you're right about that. You're right about smoking the bandit. It was like amazing. Like it's, it's just the same so, idea. Yeah, they're all. But that, but it's amazing that that. Show, um, I was doing a thing about that. it. Was so. Um, what was it? I was just talking about it when that came out. Smoking the Bandit was like the. It was number two in '77 after Star Wars, <laughs> a box office. The number two box office. Well, like, it was Star Wars and Smokey and the Bandit. Well, because they front loaded all the celebrities. Guess who was the sheriff? It was Jackie. Jackie Gleason. Gleason. Whereas, like, it's so funny because, like, we growing up, we knew who Jackie Gleason was from the Honeymooners. But then there was what they say then a whole new generation of right, people finding right. out who Jackie Gleason was. And, and then the was, whole then, homoeroticism between Dom. Deloise and Burt Reynolds. What? I don't know. That's, what was that? <laughs> so Burt Reynolds is a is <laughs> no, right, right iconic. But no, Don Deloise was not in Smoking the Bandit. He was in the Cannonball Run movies. Ah, and you're right. There you're was right. there was a <laughs> that was the, not that, only homoeroticism. That, I mean, it was just something up. Right. Yeah, that was not right. But but Don DeLuise was 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 overweight, but ugly. And wait, are you talking about me or Don DeLuise? I can't figure out what you're doing. Are you? Try- is this an intervention? And then Burt Reynolds is this iconic, you know, Tom Selleck, uh, you know, guy. It's, a, it's amazing. Uh, Who looked a you know, little? Burt gay. Reynolds was this, you know, unbelievably looking. He just ruined his own career. Like he could have maybe had a career like Tom Hanks or somebody like that. But he like ruined it with all these. The smoking the bandit. It's I guess it's difficult. Smoking the Bandit was so popular that all he did was those kind of movies for a while, like Stroker Ace and Cannibal Run, anything where he was in a car. But he was funny as hell, fast. though. He had no, a, it was he amazing. Was funny as hell. But you can see he was like ruining his career slowly. I wonder why that was. Well, Don't married, be in Cannibal Run you know too. But remember, he thought he was doing the right thing when he married Lonnie, Lonnie, Lonnie Anderson. Anderson. He was to every that little boy like my age. That looked like the perfect. That was like the Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt of that his was, day. Of you're right, <laughs> Lonnie Anderson. Lonnie Anderson. And, yeah, they were yeah. perfect for that era. You know, I remember Lonnie Anderson was on that show WKRP in Cincinnati, oh, and I remember she had right. She was gorgeous, like, but you know, before Pamela Anderson, like seventies gorgeous. You know, like they always try and think like um, of girls today, like will they be pretty years from now? Like when you look at you know Claudette Colbert or something, like Charlie Chaplin's wife or you know, whatever in those movies, like well, they're not 
21st century pretty. You know, they're pretty for back then. You know, where your dad would tell you, oh, no, she was really pretty back then. Like, we were just talking about her the other day. I'm, like, so old, I just always want to say, like, I mean, she's not Angie Dickinson pretty, but she's pretty. You know, like, like that's an old man who would say that. Right. But, but Angie now Dickinson. we'll say Pamela Anderson pretty. That I don't know what. Somebody, I never thought like, Pebble Anderson was pretty. You're a homosexual. I, know, I don't know how many times we have to go over this. Why would we even? No, I no, can no, obje- no. Well, but no, you can acknowledge no, no. that, that uh, you can acknowledge that Scott Bayo is the greatest person ever in the history of the planet Listen, because Bayo he has slept with. Every 80s hot icon in the history of the planet. Pam, he he's slept with the entire cast of Baywatch, Erica Alaniac, Pamela Anderson, Nicole Eggert, let alone he slept through an entire year of Playboy Playmates, like an entire calendar year where he was asked not to come back to the mansion anymore because he slept with too many Playmates. That's a real man. Who's Whatever the- his political views are, that's a real man. But here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. He also slept with, get ready, and more than once, Liza Minnelli. What? No. The mic. No. Yes. He put, you know why? He said, I'm going to suck it up and I'm going to sleep with Liza Minnelli to say I slept with Liza Minnelli. Because that's what you would have to do to sleep with Liza Minnelli. Do not tell Scotty I said that. I was going to say, we know Scotty, Liza Minnelli's publicist and he would be furious. But does Scotty like, know Who wouldn't want to sleep with Liza Minnelli? <laughs> <laughs> of course he knows. Everybody knows Scott Bayo. But, slept but with Liza's Liza also a lesbian. What? What are you talking about? She I, slept with Scott Bayo. Well, who told you that, Scott? Everyone. No, who told you? That? No, th- Scott Bayo. Right. Okay. So you want to start there? <gasps> Are you calling? And you him know a that big Scott Bayo, Wilder, Wilder. Who's the guy? Not, from, the guy from that '70s show? Right. Would not be his life is possible because of Scott Bayo, because he's slaying in Hollywood right now. Well, he right? was until he went on the Howard Stern show and told everybody who he was sleeping with and then oh. he never got work again. Oh, really? But it was the best interview ever. <laughs> he slept with Lindsay Lohan. Yeah, that's good enough for me. I find her completely ridiculous. Can we do my... Wait, I never told you this story. This is the best story ever. Well, I mean, not ever, but it's pretty good. (laughs) It's it's up there with stories. Moana. Moana's the best story ever. Is that the Disney movie? (laughs) It is. Oh, my God. You are gay, aren't you? (laughs) Meanwhile, I just played the Porky Pig thing on the front. Well, fat boy, you got yourself a dog. Um... You know, David Tell has this uh, classic joke. I think I've told this on the podcast before, but maybe not. David Tell has this classic joke where he's like, why does everything always happen five minutes after you left? You know, they, all the good stuff happens five minutes after you left where somebody the next day goes, should have hung out, man. Right after you left, the stripper mobile came by with midgets and balloons and, you know, <laughs> a party. <laughs> always five minutes after you left. So one time I was here in Los Angeles and um, I had met, Lindsay Lohan lived in Sarah's building. And I had met her a couple of times because I, um, I was going to jail and she had just come out of jail. Right. And so we had some stories. And she was really pretty. Like, in person, she was just gorgeous. But she's still really pretty. I mean, and crazy, which makes her even hotter. So, um, so we met and we, you know, talked a little bit, but it was no big deal. And so then um, I was like, Sarah's always like, she, I'm afraid of her. So, uh, you know, I have to do whatever she says usually. So one time I thought I would defy her. I mean, we've known each other for 30 years, but I'm still terrified of her, you know. I'm sure you can understand. And um, so she goes, hey, do you want to come back to the house and we'll just hang out and order food? I'm like, no. You know what? I'm going to go to a bar and I'm going to drink. I'm in Los Angeles. So I'm going to go to the improv and hang out, have a good time with people because you don't drink. I can drink. I can do what I want because I'm an adult. This is only like a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, so I go out and then the next day she goes, should have hung out, man. <laughs> like I, uh, she didn't say that when she wasn't doing it to be... I thought she was doing it to be a dick, but she goes, oh, do whatever you want, you know, whatever. And then the next day she goes, 
you're not going to believe what happened last night. I'm like, what? <laughs> and I was like, it can't be anything good. She's just doing this to fuck with me. But um, she goes, yeah, um, Lindsay Lohan's girlfriend called, you know, that DJ. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, you, you got to come down Ronson. here. Yeah, 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 Samantha, yeah. Samantha, Samantha, Samantha Ronson. Ronson. Or yeah, yeah. So she goes, you, you got to come down here and um, we need help. Lindsay's going crazy and you have to bring one of your guy friends because um, she's going crazy and she won't <laughs> listen to anybody. And you got to have somebody like restrain her. And um, so I called Tall John because you weren't around. And he came down, and Lindsay was like trying to make out with him the whole night, and like we relaxed. And I'm like, and my mouth is open because I'm like, like I just found out Santa Claus wasn't didn't exist, and because I'm, and then I was like, you're just a big fat liar, and you hate anything I do without you. You just hate, you hate when I don't go with you. And then so I thought for sure she made that story up, but then the next day I saw it in TMZ. So fuck. How different would your life? You would be. Ugh. If what? If, if I you, was if you dating had hung out, and then you just falling? Is it like? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. What? No, I'm just saying that's one of those moves that. Well, no, I don't think my life would be any different because <laughs> I would have been able to make out with Lindsay Lohan, who I find very attractive. We haven't seen much of her lately, though. No, I think she moved to like London or something, or France, or well, she, she was, was dating a Russian guy. Yeah, well, you know, that's why I think it's time for. Dave Jessica to, you know, come down and, uh, <laughs> you know, I think she needs an older man, somebody who reminds her of exactly of her father, which I am. I like to drink and party, and um, <laughs> I apparently I don't care about my daughter. So there you I, go. I don't have a daughter now, so I'm just saying. I, well, you and Dave are going to have a child? Oh, yes. Me and David Tell were talking about having a kid together, because we want a kid, but, um, you know, we don't have a possibility really yet of having one with any girls, so we thought we'd have a kid together, but we won't live together we'll live in separate places but i can take the late 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 night shift and he can take the day shift and it, it could work and if we do a tv show about it called my two daves <laughs> it's all about that. that's our big plan yeah but um oh wait there was something i wanted to, oh uh something about william you um you work in a rehab center now i can say that right not really because it's not a rehab is a dated term i work in a treatment so. William, I'm an old man. This is what I, I use. I still rehab, use the word rehab. colored and fag. <laughs> this is uh, so. <laughs> yeah, the colored guy over there. Right. First time I did comedy, 1983. It was in Brooklyn, in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. No, Sheepshead Bay, Brooklyn. Doesn't matter. Um, nobody here knows the difference. <laughs> now I am an old man because I'm like, no, no, it's Sheepshead Bay, Brooklyn. Like, and nobody cares. Nobody cares, old man. I go down, and, and the, 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 it was on the David Letterman had the owner of this small club called Pips in Brooklyn on his show, which it would never. This was the first year of the show. He clearly couldn't get guests, and he had this old man who used to run a club in Brooklyn. The owner, and he's like, "So what? What happens? Can can anybody come down?" He goes, "Yeah, we have an open mic night Wednesday. You come down, we'll put you on." This is on the David Letterman show, late now on NBC. Right, right, right. So I went down that next Wednesday. I thought it was going to be a huge crowd, you know. Like I'm like, oh, it was on Letterman. I was the only one there. And I dressed up, I wore a tie, you know, like the eight, my 80s tie, and I had an outfit. And then I went to the bar, and I go, um, I'm here for the, the sign-up for the comedy. He goes, yeah, go see the colored guy in the back. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> yeah, he's right in the back. What did I just say, asshole? And there was a, a, a lovely colored guy uh, named Jesse Kitten, and he would get on, uh, and he would just get on stage and be like, I'm Jess Kitten. That was his gag. He would say, I'm Jess Kitten. It sounded like just, but he was a nice guy. And then he took me to Dangerfields the next night, which was really nice, which was really fun. But uh, yeah, in Brooklyn, I don't think they they don't care too much for the uh, for the for the blacks <laughs> back then. They thought they were a bit much. 
Now, if you could see the video here of me in the room. <laughs> <laughs> the two and black the guys looking at me. isn't happy either. <laughs> 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 this is what this no, but is I work. I work in a treatment center. I don't work at. William, a... I want to go back to the racial thing. Oh, right. um, <laughs> let me try and get out of this. Uh, you see, back then, uh, nobody cared for blacks or Jews. No, um, no, it's funny. That club was so funny. It was in Brooklyn, and it was only um, Jews and Italians, and they would have the one black guy on who did Michael Jackson imitation. It was very, very, you know, it just wasn't happy. You know, it was like in Goodfellas kind of stuff. And um, don't the Russians all live over there now? Now they do, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's all Russian. But so then they all—I remember—they had these Italian guys. They were the stupidest people I've ever met. Um, but they were so funny because they had all their friends in the audience, so they would just laugh. And their jokes were, "Hey, folks, let me ask you a question. Don't raw eggs smell like farts, <laughs> right? Come on!" And they. And like, <laughs> They're slapping their fists on the table. They think it's the funniest thing they've ever seen. And there was this kid, his name was Joey. I'll never forget the material because I was like, what the hell is happening here? Because even then I was just like, I know my I stink, but this is worse, right? Like I'm not crazy. And they had this guy, Joey D. He, was, he always had his act on a book of matches and he would just read from it. It was the same act every time, but he invited all his friends. And he'd be like, hey, what's with these pooper scooper laws? Like it was the thing you had to pick up your dog's poop with a pooper scooper. He was like, yeah. What's with these pooper scooper laws? People are already dying, and he hasn't even said a joke. And he's like, "I saw this uh, horse. This uh, this guy, this cop. He was on a horse, and the horse took a dump on the fucking poodle, taking a dump. I mean, what the fuck is that all about? Come on, people!" And they're, like, ah! and they're dying laughing. And then his other joke was like, "And what's with uh, Superman? Who's this Clark Kent guy? He puts on a pair of glasses. Nobody knows who he is. Come on!" And like, ah, I've never heard of such a thing before. Like, like people, it was really funny. If you couldn't do well there, I guess you sucked. Because right. they laughed at anything. But then my dad gave me some material about, like, Ronald Reagan. And I was like, it doesn't, I don't do any of that kind of stuff. And I'm like, and, and what's with Reagan? He's funny, huh? He's so, so how about him? Like, I was horrible. This is the reaction I got then, too. Right, right. So, um, but I, you know, I had my failsafe imitation, which was the Ernie Douglas imitation. <laughs> so I used to do this imitation of this kid from this TV show called My Three Sons, uh, which was a show, like, in the 60s. And the imitation, it, 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 it's funny because I used to close with it. He knows. But no one, like, it's just so weird if you tell somebody. So John Stewart comes up to me all the time to mock me. And he goes, you still doing the uh, Ernie Douglas imitation? I'm like, you know what? You're such an asshole. It's unbelievable. Like, just to be, like, last year he did <laughs> Just to be a complete asshole. You know who um, Bob Smigel does it, too. These are guys that have, have won. They've they've beaten me, but they feel they must completely continue to keep me down. So I'm on this show with Triumph, the insult comic goes, hey, look at this guy. He probably does a great Ernie Douglas imitation. Now, he knows nobody's going to know that reference. He's only doing it to make me look ridiculous. And a man in my position can't be made to look ridiculous. But this imitate, they're making fun because we can't understand and you can't explain to anybody. Even if I showed you the television show it was on, you would be like, I don't, but yeah. you used to close? Like, I mean, close where I'm like, I'm out of here. I'm Dave Juskow. And I, I'd walk away and like in a, as a hero. And the imitation was just this. Well, gee, Uncle Charlie, I didn't think you'd be so sore. And it was like that reaction in Brooklyn, you know. <laughs> And I, I, you can't explain it to people. I mean, you could, you could be watching me do it on a tape from the 80s, and you'd be like, what is happening here? 
But it was it was a, a mirror. You were there. You saw <laughs> know, it, right? It was know, like amazing. People were like, "That's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life." But what was the joke attached to? There was no joke. That was it. I just did the imitation. I did the exact line he did from the TV show. There was no joke. I would do a scene from the TV show. I'd do Fred McMurray right. and William Demarest. <laughs> and I was wondering why I can't make William, it today. Because does anybody know William Demarest? I just no. Like, nobody knows who that is. They didn't know who it was then. <laughs> It was horrible. This is why, you know, nobody's ever heard of me before. I couldn't get... Then there was no... That's why I can't do comedy anymore. I'm still doing those imitations. Now, you guys remember my three sons, right? There's like 20-year-olds, and they're like, what the fuck is happening? Is he talking about all my sons? The famous uh, play uh, from... You know, whatever, like... Uh, yeah, so I used to do these imitations like that, but I would I would have to leave this... It was too powerful. But you also do, a, could follow you do a great that's James right. Spader, and the kids still know James Spader. First of all, the kids know nothing that I or you know. So for saying that, well, no. maybe they know him from the blacklist now, but they still don't understand the, the pretty and pink spader, which I like to do both. But I have updated it. So you don't know it all. Right? You don't you don't know who James Spader is at all. No, you you never watched the blacklist? Yeah, I do know. Okay. Oh, and you've God. seen him. He's Yeah, yeah. He's the irritating guy. Yeah, and he ta- I think I can still do I I can do pretty and pink and blacklist spader now. I've updated. Okay. Um, so I go to Lizzie, I don't mind telling you, once I was in Belize, I had one of the finest peaches I have ever eaten in my life. And that's when I decided I was going to get into terrorism. Um, I don't know. It's all right. It's, it's, all right. Not, it's, not, really, it's not really a classic. Not classic, no. Um, but that was another one that I was like known for, this James Spader from this movie Pretty nobody was, from the, the 80s. The thing was, you were doing James Spader. When nobody, right, nobody was, was doing that. And then there was a kid who stole my James Spader. Like, that was the only thing I was known for. And then this kid came in, and like, and he knew he saw it. He goes, hey, I almost got it down. How do you do it again? Oh. Yeah, I hate that kid. Randy Perlstein. Really? That's yeah. Hilarious. Yeah, so I'm still angry at him. But again, um, I feel like he won too. There's no way. I can't win. I can't beat these people. I can't beat them. Meanwhile, I had a sister deported, so that made me feel better. Oh, good. Yeah. All right. Just to Canada, just to Canada, just to Canada. I told her, I said, I told the government she didn't have a job anymore. I was very angry at their family, the Pearlsteins. Did you seriously do that? I call them the Jewsteins. <laughs> How are you? I'm out of here. Uh, yes, I did do that. Is that bad? And I liked her too. I was attracted to her, but had to take that kid down. Although I don't think he was hurt at all. And she's, I heard she's doing better in Canada anyway. Is she? So everybody yeah. is. I told Chelsea, uh, I knew Chelsea Handler since she was 12. At 22, she's like, Jessica, how can I get into comedy? And I'm like, kid, let me explain something to you. You're not funny. Comedy is not for you. I said this with a straight face to her. And I remember exactly where I was. I remember the exact moment. Right. Six months later, I get a call from a tell. I'm like, yeah, I got this girl, Chelsea Handler, opening for her. I'm like, did somebody tell you to tell me that? You're joking, right? And like a year later, she was playing the punchline in San Francisco. And, and then another year later, she had her own TVs. I'm like, this is not, is this the Chelsea Handler that I know? Is that why you were never on her show? I would pretty much say that was pretty good reason. For, uh, I told Ray I Romano. On that, I would think you'd be a regular, that would be, that's perfect for Well, you. when you, people get very angry when you tell them that they suck. And well, they never forget, ever. Yeah. Although, like I said, uh, Gaffigan has forgiven me now, so we're, it's right. all good. But um, also I told Ray Romano, I've known Ray Romano for years, and I told when he started talking about his family, I'm like, don't talk about your family. That's stupid. <laughs> you're, you're funnier when you're doing like, like that rubber band on your head and saying it's Hiroshima. That's the way, trust me, Ray, Raymond, whatever your name is. Nobody gonna, loves you. Nobody loves you, yeah. Everybody hates you. 
Yeah, I'm really good at that. You know, I have, um, at telling people they suck. And now people beg me to tell them they suck. Oh, right. They beg me. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, but I don't feel that way. <laughs> Shit. Shit. Yeah, they get really upset. But you and I met um, many years ago. Because he started this group called, well, I said you started, start right, but let's just say you did, called Funny Gay Males, which at the time, you know, was entertaining because they're like, gay people doing comedy? <laughs> what? And um, so I took Sarah Silverman on our first date to see Funny Gay Males, and then she just told the story the other day, and she goes, and then he tried to kiss me after <laughs> taking me to see Funny Gay Males. And I'm like, well, yes, I guess I wasn't thinking clearly. I, so I, I thought she'd be impressed. Yeah, I know these guys. So They're I homosexuals. Just because of Friends the, with gay people. Of the four <laughs> people that listen to this, I don't need them thinking I started. No, there'll be five now that we're doing it in L.A. <laughs> right. No, I happen to manage them for a period of time of their career. And if all. William had continued managing and managing me, I think I would have been better off because you're a good guy. You're a good manager. But, but you liked crystal meth more. Oops. Maybe. Sorry, I to... <laughs> Why is that a gay drug? There's many reasons, most of which is I couldn't go into. I'm bored. This is just like that gay San Francisco story. Here, let me tell you the origin of San Francisco. Uh, um, um, no, I, I forget what we were talking about. What were we talking about? Probably just something gay, I think. <coughs> Crystal meth. Crystal meth. <laughs> no, I remember William and I used to party a lot together, and then I told him he was doing it the wrong way. Well, no, we did a lot of coke together. What? All over over New York. I know. And that wasn't a big problem. I talk about that's what me and Artie Artie Lang, we always talk about all that's how we met. um, (laughs) See, that's amazing that we were talking about that. Artie and I was talking about the way we met. We had all the same manager. And one day he was really upset because he bet that Mike Tyson was going to win this fight. And that was the first one he ever lost. So he lost like $20,000. He was really upset. And I'm like, well, I have some Coke. You know, if you want that. And he's like, yes, I do. And he did the whole party Coke. And I was really upset. I'm like, you did it all. He's like, sorry. You know, whatever. And then he drove. I didn't know you were in the car. He drove us home and he hit all these cars along the way. But it was so hammered. On Columbus Ave. Yeah, we were laughing so hard that it was me and my girlfriend and John Benjamin and John Benjamin never got into a car again because he's sober, so he was not laughing. I didn't know he was sober. No, I don't think he drinks. Well, let's just say John he's Benjamin not a fun guy. Is, he, is that his show? Is yeah, Archer yeah. His no, show? he does. He's the voice of Archer. I know he's the voice, but is that his show? What do you mean? Did he create it? Yeah. No, he's just... No, that's oh, okay. the thing. This, well, we played up front that clip from Bugs Bunny. You know, well, fat boy, you got yourself a dog. Yeah. yeah. That's Mel Blank, and he's no, doing all the... No, no, I just have to explain this. <laughs> he's doing all the voices. He did every voice that right. we heard in that clip. Right. He's doing, yes, and then he's doing Porky Pig, and then he's doing the dog. John Benjamin has one voice, and he is the most sought-after animation voice person Why in the history the of animation. Voice. No one knows, but everybody wants him. So he's yeah. on Family Guy. He's on Archer. He's on... Uh, what's what's the, the, the other big one that he's on? Um, uh, not just Archer. Uh, American Dad? No, he. Um, oh, I'm missing. A, like, a, he, it's another major show where he is. Oh, B- Bob's Burgers. Oh, okay. Um, right. So he's on all these shows, and so uh, tomorrow I'm having this guy Mitch Watson come in, who is the showrunner for Scooby Doo and and a bunch of other things. And he's, I was like, oh, uh, do you ever have John Benjamin? He goes, I wish. <laughs> and I'm like, you wish, David. I feel like ne- tomorrow is much more interesting show. The hell is that supposed to? I'm be? just what are you saying. saying? Well, I, I mean. I find you to be interesting, uh, my friend. Well, which is a, which apparently is a kiss of death. <laughs> what are you talking? You're supposed oh. to hate my shit. <laughs> oh, you're right. Well, you're not a comic, though. No, so. you're right. You're right. But uh, yeah, so William and I met a long 
time ago, and I got when I got fired when I got sued by Carolines <laughs> when I was being managed by them. Fortunately, William That's was there, right. and he was working at Catch a Rising Star. And him and the great Rick Newman, who was supposed to be on today. Which would have been nice. Which would have been great. He, Do you think he didn't come because we have, because he and I have? No, absolutely. No. Okay. Oh, wait, you have an no, old fight? No, I don't know. I mean, I just, you know, we just No, have, I don't think uh, that, no, he's always okay. asking about you all the time. Okay, okay. And Rick Newman is this legendary owner of Catch Rising Star. He's, he started Catch Rising Star, so he started and then he everyone. Went, yeah. And he know, managed Pat Benatar. He managed and, Pat Benatar, you know, in the day, because she used to open for the comics. And Belzer, he managed Belzer, Belzer for a right. while. So, like, he knew everybody in comedy. And, you know, what I found out the other day, which I guess I knew, but he produced one of my favorite um, shows with Chris Elliott called The Action Family. Really? And he was a producer of that, and that was, like, one of my, like, favorite things at the time. Like, I just... Uh, Thought that was the best show. Like it was he produced. Like the, it? He know. produced that and the FDR, a one man show. So the fact that he knew that Chris Elliott was awesome was. Can like I great talk? Too. You also always had the best weed. Yes, <laughs> that is true. I wonder also if that was part of his his staying power in the business because I know when we would go over to his place, he had this great apartment over on on uh, West Sixty yeah. something. Is he going to be listening to this? Probably. It doesn't matter. He doesn't live there anymore. Not. No, I know that. Oh. But I'm just. I'm just. Not that it, he. <laughs> I think everybody knows he smokes weed. But, no, I know that. But I'm pretty sure he was also. He was also the the source. He was the spot for a lot of. Well, I think he was like a party guy. I don't know. You know what? I'm before just saying, uh, I've before seen you his, and I've I seen met his him. refrigerator, and it's there's more weed in the fridge than oh. <laughs> than you know. Well, he, if you're going to manage, and you he know, had that grinder going, rock constantly. stars, then you have to be. You know, you have to have that stuff. Mark Starr's in the 70s. Then you have to have it together. We'd always, me and Laurie Sanchez would go over to his house to meet, and we were going to finally come up with a strategy to save Catch. Because oh. Catch was sort of on its, on its, you know, as much as we had a good time there, Catch, it never... Yeah, so William saved me from, you know, where I wasn't thinking it was kind of over, and he brought me to this new comedy club, because Caroline's was my comedy club, and it was my home, my base, and then they sued me, so I had to leave. And then we went to Catch, and Catch... Well, Catch had been on the east side. And had, right, that and then was it moved the to this west side catch. area, and it was so much fun because all we did was drink for free, and we ruined the place. It was <laughs> right. uh, me, him, and Rick. We, we ruined it single-handedly. It was, uh, it was all our fault. But really. that, wasn't the, that, that wasn't the goal. The goal was No, to we wanted to create... make it a really great club. Right, yeah, we were, yeah, but, but we were drunk we and messed high up, all yeah. the time. <laughs> but that place was so good to me, and I never performed. I only had a good reputation for doing one good show, and then I <laughs> vowed never to perform again. So they would always be like, we're, we're one guy short. Jessica, can you go on? I'm like, like, not today. <laughs> soon, no, soon. I would just live on that reputation, right? I mean, I don't think I ever performed. When I did, I, I would bomb, but people would be like, oh, he's just kidding around. I'm like, yeah, I'm just kidding around. I'm just kidding around. I'll do the real stuff later for the real crowd, you know. So William invented this show called The Loft, which uh, was great. It was my apartment, and um, I had all these people would just come through the door. So it would be Belzer and Joy Behar and um, people like that, and cool. Asaf Madvi was in it, right? And and uh, the stupid Sklar brothers. Uh, no, and it was um, uh, Mitch. Uh, we'd have Mitch uh, Hedberg. Hedberg. I mean, whoever was in town. Yeah, whoever was in town, they'd come by, and then it would just be apartment. And, but it was and a that. way of accommodating this alternative comedy scene, yeah. too, because the structure of just a microphone and a, and a brick wall didn't accommodate a lot the place of the looked, other. Because the, the stage looked like an apartment, and it was really cool. And so we just, it was my apartment, and I, my manager would, I had this character, we had and Mark I had a Mitten. girlfriend. It was like before Seinfeld, and it was like... We had magicians, and we had Oh, no, musicians. actually, I guess it was Seinfeld. Guy. Yeah, we had, we'd have mu- music. It was act- a variety show. We weren't yeah. inventing anything. It just happened to be yeah, a Yeah, you came up with it. You and I came up with it. Right. And, and, and then, 
MTV stole it. Right. And they called it Apartment 2F, and they used the two guys that we kind of found. Right. And put them on the Sklar Brothers, right. who I hated for a but long we time too- so much that I bought their domain name <laughs> early on. And, um, you did. <laughs> yeah, to teach them a lesson. It was one of the longest games I've seen you play. It was hard not like to. Like five you years know, went by. And then, they, and-, and then finally, one day, this guy Barcoma was like <laughs> telling an old girl, like, why does Dave just get one of the Sklar Brothers' names? And I'm like, uh, yeah, and I was like, "What? That, it worked! It worked!" And they were like, "What the fuck? Why does he own our name? What's happening?" Yeah, it was like a five-year, seven-year burn. You know, like it was a really tough thing because I can't. How keep did you a even know? I wouldn't even have been conscious. I was, of- uh, you know, you'd think I should be a millionaire. I was internet savvy back then. <laughs> that was before people were buying up domain names. Right? You know what? I got the idea from that kid from MTV who became a millionaire by buying up McDonald's.com. <laughs> That was oh, that, that good-looking right, right. Adam something from MTV. He was a VJ, and he was so smart. He bought up McDonald's.com and, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. everything. Life.com, the U.S. President.com. I don't know. What, Casio? No, I'm <laughs> saying, are we, how, long, how much time are you Hey, doing? relax. All right, all well, You got to be somewhere. You got to go to the bathroom, don't you? <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. You're so obvious, it's unbelievable. I don't, I don't. But, um... Yeah, so this, so I got the idea. Adam Curry, I think, was his name. Oh wow, that's a and I got the idea yeah, from yeah. him. And then it was really expensive. It was a really expensive joke at the time. You know, you, you couldn't just buy them for like twelve dollars. They cost like seventy dollars. And then I had some investors who want to be named nameless that wanted to screw over the Sklar Brothers. Also, exactly, really, Zach Galvanakis. And no. you know, but you know, <laughs> the thing is, people didn't care for twins at that time. And, Unless they were um, in bathing suits. But they, they stole the show and it was horrible. Right. Excellent point. That's why I used to like that sweet the Barbie, was it Sweetwater was it the Barbie High. Twins? Yeah, the, the, those twins from, uh, yeah. Right? Anyway, um, I can't remember. But uh, you talk about those girls in the love boat? I think so, yeah. The Landers twins. Is that what it was? Yeah. This is before your time. <laughs> Everything I've said today is before your time, which is why it's so funny. But yeah, so we did the show. So MTV stole it, and everyone in town knew that they stole our idea. And everybody, and, and so I got screwed again, you know, like even after I went to this new club. And then they asked me to, to make up for it. They asked me to be the head writer on this new oh, game right. show. And then. I found out that um, th- my manager told me there's going to be a mutiny if we hire you. They want to hire somebody from the inside, and and then it didn't happen. I got screwed ev- well, no, again. The same day, why. remember we had to fire you because Beth Littleford was going to take over. Oh. <laughs> Am I bringing so angry? I know. Well, the good news is, or the bad news, when uh, we're having uh, Rachel Butera come in next, which oh. is very exciting. Uh. Uh, she's on my favorite show, which is Dog with a Blog, which is where Beth Littleford ended up. So, fuck you, cunt. Yeah, sorry. And she stinks on that show. All right, now, granted, she's probably making a little money and she's on TV, but she looks like an asshole. You're talking about Littleford. Yeah, I'm talking didn't about Littleford. Marry, didn't she marry a... Who whoop- cares? She married like a whoop de doo um, director, too. Whatever. All those twats that took over my role on that show, I was furious about. I, I hate them all. all right. Emmy Laybourne and her stupid mother... <laughs> and um, that Marta Raven, fuck all of them. Does Marta still work for? Comedy I don't know. Center? I don't follow. I think they all went down in flames. Thank God. No, but I, I told you, Emmy Laybourne's a successful children's book author. Now. God, I hate you. I don't know why I asked you to be on this show today. <laughs> all and these Marta, twats, they, think... they couldn't replace me with a dude. They had to replace me with girls. Which, I, what's worse, actually, I'm not sure. Uh, that's worse, isn't it? Though, but it wasn't successful. It was so embarrassing. They kept doing that show. That was the worst. When you told me. That day on my rooftop, I, know. I was in tears. July 4th. It wasn't July 4th. I remember fireworks. Why were we on your rooftop? 
don't, now it sounds like we were making out. This is really awkward. <laughs> no, we were there. You were with taking people. me to tell me the I bad news. I would take you to the roof. What was I going to drop you? <laughs> no, we used to have. I used to go. We had access to the roof all the time. And it was we were a party probably just It was July Fourth. I want to say. I, I don't. No, you told, you told me on a different day. I wouldn't it was think, like a rom-com You wouldn't have told me scene. on July 4th during a party. You were very nice. No, it had already been told to you, but I hadn't. No, maybe that's it. You would already, And I didn't know that you had been fired from the other show. I had to call you up and say, hey, listen, we're you going with somebody else. You didn't call me. You came in person, and I oh, cried see, in front of, kind of you. Class you were very, you were very nice. No, it, I'm trying to say it was very <laughs> kind. But I, feel I was like in a, tears. It was very, it was very, you know, I invented the show with him and then they just fired me and I was like really really upset and that was a whole different story why I got fired because it's all John Benjamin's fault actually the, oh, because the, I put him with remember he was fucking Sam Cedar in the ass I know but that anyway, was my I fault a video I, and people told me not to air it and I put it I on I know anyway. but I should have seen see I should have seen that they so they, basically my career stinks because of you well yeah yeah I can live with that. <laughs> I mean, that my, career, either. my yeah. career didn't because exactly. Because of me. Because you hitched your wagon to me, and I hitched my wagon to you. And look at look us. Look at us. We look terrific. <laughs> Boy, this has been an amazing podcast. This is almost like an intervention. It is. It like actually worked out. It's, uh, it's amazing. But yeah, they, I, I cried that day, I remember. But that my rooftop, I used, it was great. And my place on 29th and 3rd, we had just complete roof access. It was a nice big roof with a view of the Empire State Building. So... Uh, back in the 90s, Pink Floyd had their 20th anniversary of Dark Side of the Moon. I, I think you were there for that. And I knew everybody at K-Rock, you know, like from um, the Howard Stern show and everybody was on the radio in the music industry. And I had a huge party on my roof because they were going to shoot lasers <laughs> off the Empire State Building for the 20th anniversary of Dark Side of the Moon. And you'd been hired by MTV, so this is a big... <laughs> right, right, right. So I had a big party with all these music industry people... Right. And Baba Booey was there, and everybody was really exciting. And then the lasers went the other direction, that we couldn't see them at all. They put them somewhere Downtown. where the view wasn't good enough, and everybody got angry. And then, but then, fortunately, they all—they were music people, so they got drunk and high, and there was no problems. And nobody remembers. And then I to- but it could have been the greatest night ever. <laughs> and then, of course, scammed again by the system, by the man. They shoot lasers off there. Why can't they just do it in a... Why would they have to do it off one section? They didn't say. tell you, and there was no internet to say exactly where it was going to be. That's weird that they would only do it on... on and I bought, like, a six-inch sub for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, shouldn't you have bought a six-foot sub or longer? And I'm like, I miscalculated. I apologize to everybody. But again, thank God they were music industry people, and they didn't care about food. They only cared about getting high and hanging out. Thank goodness. Right, right. Where are those people now? I think they're millionaires. All right. <laughs> this always makes me. Uh, this always makes me happy. <laughs> this is what I play to make me happy. Eastbound and down, load them up and truck it. We gonna do what they say can be done. Banjo solo, long way to go and a short time to get there. Eastbound and run and run and run. Now that makes me happy. See, I think you're just, I think your career is... Shitty? No, I think it's Over? exactly where it should be. What were you going to say? <laughs> <laughs> well, William... Um, like Ruth Gordon, when did she hit it? Well, <laughs> God, you got to learn to relax a little. Like that actor, that actor that did On Golden Pond, right? We didn't know about him until... Henry Fonda? Right, he didn't, right? He did that 
Wait, are you saying that I do in a Henry Fonda imitation? Are you trying? Is that what I'm saying? But I don't. Yeah, I know. He was the most boring actor in the history of film. Well, then we. I never out. understood why people liked Henry. It was like the Steve Allen thing all over again. That guy sucked. Every movie he's but in. But then we stinks. found out he beat the. Didn't he beat his kids all the I think time? Think you're talking about Bing Crosby. Oh right, right, right. Because uh, there's a great um, SCTV where <laughs> Dave Thomas is doing Bing. He's doing Bob Hope. Right. And um, Martin Short is imita- is interviewing him, and he's like, "Now I understand you." Um, had some problems with maybe beating your kids or something. Uh, Bob, no, that Bing had a lot of problems with anger and he, and Bob and Dave Thomas do Bob Hope. He goes, "Well, I play golf with him. I've never seen him beat anybody. How are I? <laughs> I don't know. I love that imitation. <laughs> I wish I could do it. I think so I have. Bad. I wonder if I have it. I usually this Martin Short is the greatest actor ever. Do I have something from him? Oh How my did God. Da- Dana Carvey and Martin Short. I always think of them together, but Why? Dana Carvey is such a hack, and Martin Short is so good. Martin Short is a genius. Yeah. And Dana, Dana Carvey's Dana Car- just Dana Carvey. He's just a com- I mean, now he's more like a writer and a producer. Is that what he is? I, I don't think he All does right. comedy anymore. Oh, but he's a little cheesy. But he was a Simpsons guy. And you know what's funny? I would oh. go, when DVDs were kind of prevalent or relevant in a way, um, when you'd go to Barnes & Noble. You know how, like, it was always so funny when used to have a video store, like even though they show in Seinfeld now, you go to get VHSs, and there would be a kid at the video store, like a pimply-faced kid, who was so funny, I always think they made, they spend millions, hundreds of millions of dollars on movies, and it would all come down to a pimply-faced kid at a store, right. being like, what do you think of Terminator 2? <laughs> I don't. And then like, a, well, Terminator 2 is a bad example, but I'm saying like, something they spend money, they think it's going to be big, and it all comes down to the kid at the store. I'm mm, making a bad choice about that. Smart development people, film development people would go to those video store managers and producers and, or uh, managers and talk to them about Oh, they would? Oh, yeah, right. They, at the end, when they realized how powerful it was. Or right, what, exactly. Yeah, where they wanted to kind of pursue yeah. new projects, they'd start talking to video store managers because they were the ones that... And Clark well, that's what I was saying. One year I went to one of those... It was a Barnes & Noble at that time and I was trying to get some Simpsons DVDs. He goes, are you talking about the Dana Carvey years? <laughs> oh, did, did I say Dana Carvey? Uh, Dana Gould. Oh, did you say Dana Carvey? I said Dana Carvey. Oh, I'm sorry. I think of Dana Gould that's for some so reason. Because I, I didn't know Dana... Yeah, I was yeah what say, were you saying about Dana Carvey? A hack, but I think of, I think of <laughs> oh, Dana Carvey... I would never say Dana Gould's a hack. I think he's... Brilliant, but oh, I don't know why I thought of Dana. I guess I saw him well, yesterday. The, the That's why Dana. I, I saw, yeah, and I guess I I saw him the other day. Yeah. So I was thinking we, of him. When Meanwhile, was, when Rachel comes in, I'm going to talk about Dana Carvey because I don't care for him either. Oh, you don't? And I got my reasons. <laughs> no, because I knew him in Bo- We were all living in Boston when we Dana were Carvey. Dana Carvey. Right, we'll talk no, about Dana this on the next Gould. podcast because William's Dana my Gould. co-host all this week, as you know. Oh, Dana Gould. Dana Gould. Well, now I'm talking about Dana Carvey, asshole. <laughs> but can you keep up with the program? <laughs> but Dana Carvey, you're the worst co-host all this week ever <laughs> i gotta do it like the mike douglas show my co-host all this week richard thomas from the new film star wars mark hamill there's no how many johnny guests, bench how what long was, was the show how long was the show what show the mike douglas show yeah, was it an hour and a half Back i think it was an hour and a half it's so weird. That's right. You know, so I was watching the, you know, they have the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, whatever, and they show these old shows. And yeah. They're 90 minutes long. Isn't that weird? And you That's forget. Wild. And, they, you know, at the end, just like Letterman, he would have authors on, you know, and <laughs> it was like so weird. Isaac Asmanov would always come. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> so uh, how's science fiction these days? <laughs> right. It's good. Did you, you know that for a minute there, I thought and my if father. If Ray Bradbury thinks he's going to out-top me again. <laughs> you know, for a minute there, I was convinced that my father was the head writer of The Tonight Show. And I actually met his name is McLaughlin. No, I was adopted. I told you this whole story. I won't oh my god, I've forgotten. You I was adopted, adopted and through a so series. Much sense. 
<laughs> That's so weird. How funny is it that my other gay friend Lee is adopted? Right. Is that what well, makes people Korean, homosexuals? So. No, he's Korean. <laughs> well, he's Korean, but he's still adopted and he's gay. I know, but that's there's something to that. I got to look into that. No, but I I was Adopting. I through a series of circumstantial evidences, my friend Miguel will say, I became convinced that this fellow that lives in Tarzana was my real father, and I reached out to him, and I did all this stuff, and finally met him at Jerry's Deli in wait, Studio wait, what City. What made you think he was your father? It's a long story. But just... now, now you're finally <laughs> saying something interesting. Now, and let me tell you the history of gay people in San Francisco. Now we finally got something unbelievably interesting. Like, that's eh, a long story. You don't want to. I do want to hear that. He happens to have a last name that I was told was my first name. And I thought, because I found out all this information about my, my, my uh, some, unide- <laughs> some unidentifiable information. What, of, what was your? Uh, Bradford. I was told that my that name. That was your first name? I was told by my mother. My, you can't not be a homosexual with that name, by but the it's, way. But it turns out- As you know, Brad is my coffee name I use at Starbucks <laughs> when I want to get really gay drinks. Um, because I don't want anybody to know, you know, like, who got the mochaccino with extra caramel and extra syrup? <laughs> Brad did. Hey, everybody. It's me, Brad. <laughs> I like my coffee sweet. <laughs> uh, wait, so what? So Bradford, let me ask you this. Uh, <laughs> no, but I found out that my that my real father they wouldn't give me identifiable information except that he wrote for comedy. He lived oh, in the West so Village really? back in the sixties. So wait, was, so he was gay too then? Maybe he said he lived in the West Village. In the West Village, but think about who he he lived in in the West Village in the sixties. W- wrote comedy. So who was he hanging out with? Neil Simon, uh, Larry Gelbart. That whole crew back in the day. What made you think that's the crew? They because didn't hang that, out in the West else? Village. They were more like well, California just, people or whatever. All right, West Village, I would say, it's more like Lenny Bruce and okay, Bob Dylan and fine, stuff like right, that, right? Well, no, it's even was, cooler. Maybe. Neil but, Simon. Fuck that guy. No, there was a whole, that guy hasn't done anything funny in 10 years. <laughs> or ever for me. For my money, ever. Biloxi Blues? Come on. It's, it's crap. You've quoted from it. Crap. I know you have. <laughs> crap. All crap. No. How about, the problem with Neil Simon is he was never funny. Um, what about the set? What's I up? like the Goodbye Girl. Okay, and I like about- Seems Like Old Times. But those, those are movies. His plays stink. No, and they're-, they're not funny. And they call them comedies. But there's too much drama in it. When I finally went to see that... Uh, California that, that- Sweet. I, I don't care for that one, but Artie oh, thinks that's the greatest movie ever. On. Maybe I need to see that one again. I'll give that a second. <laughs> with Robert, with... Uh, with Alan um, Alda? No, and who's the older guy, the grumpy guy? David uh, Juskow? No. <laughs> are you sure? Because yeah. I'm pretty sure I am the older grumpy guy. That's what guy. you should do is redo California Sweet. Um, wait a second. No, so... But when I saw Charles Bush the third, that all, the writer, the theater writer, yeah, yeah. when I saw his play, I'm like, now that's how you write a comedy. <laughs> and I saw it with Linda Lavin and Tony Roberts, my favorite. Tony Roberts is in all those Woody Allen movies where he plays that like, Max, come to California. We can play tennis outdoors every day. I did Shakespeare in the Park, Max. <laughs> Two thugs stole my leotards. I was doing Richard the <laughs> Third. So I... Um, you might be on the spectrum. Oh, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> we used to use the term retard, William. Right. <laughs> Hello. Uh, yeah, now it's so funny because my uncle, we're pretty sure it might be retarded, but um, now we say he's on the spectrum. I probably shouldn't have said that uh, people listen to that <laughs> now show. Now you can never let your yeah. family know that. <laughs> well, he doesn't live. It's all right. Anyway, so I thought so, I... Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, no, so anyway... I got to this guy. He agreed to meet with me. I met him at Jerry's Deli. But wait, but he agreed he to le- meet with you because he knew he gave up a son? He didn't know. I, I gave him all this circumstantial information that I had, and I needed him, and he met, he checked but, all these but boxes. But why would he, oh, so he, so he was under the impression he checked all these boxes. No, I had this information that was non-identifiable through a series of just 
running things down through the internet. You can do that these days. I landed on this guy. He happened to be a comedy writer. He lived in New York. He this, that, well, Why would else. he agree to meet with you if he didn't think he had a kid? Or do you think he, like, misfired into a... Possibly. Like, that? like he didn't donate any sperm Possibly. or anything. This is all I said. I said, listen, this is a, a far-fetched thing. Here's the deal. Okay. I think maybe... Because I was told my whole life that my last... My first name was Bradford. But then I thought, hey, maybe my last name was Bradford. And when I, that, when I put that into the Google, your name came up. You checked all... I just need to know a couple more things. And maybe you're my dad. He agree- and he had a daughter who wrote for Will and Grace. She's also in recovery. I thought, what okay, is all woman- this gay stuff, William? This I know. Is like, it does make a lot of sense. The <laughs> right, that's what I'm saying. Will Circumstantially, in all sorts of... And he was Jewish, and apparently I was Jewish, which I found out now. I'm I not Jewish. I don't see that. No, uh, no I... Th- William, I know. No, you didn't need a DNA <laughs> test to figure that out. I'll, I'll tell you you're not Jewish. I'll let you know. When I first met you, you didn't have Jewy hair. I know. You, know, I you know. had the, the most handsome hair. Turns out I'm Finnish. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, I'm you're Northern European. Oh, I see. Um, I'm a Viking. I told you you were finishing the business a long time All ago. Right. <laughs> uh, you got one of those tests? So I go to meet swabs? him. Yeah, we, what is know. the point of that? But I go to meet the guy. I, I would get one of those, but for Let what me purpose? Just tell you something. Oh, I am Jewish. So, I'm, so <laughs> I go to meet the guy, Jerry's Deli. He's an hour late. Oh, so I'm he maybe is meeting. I may be meeting my... Because my... you said two-ish. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So wait, so go on. Yeah, this is this is good. Well, but how terrible is that to be late well, to meet your son? He's an ass, but that's what happens to all. I heard that happen to uh, Steve Jobs. Uh-huh. Didn't that? Isn't that the story that he was adopted and he went to meet his father at the coffee and he was like late? Isn't aren't they always late? <laughs> every every movie and TV have taught us that the fathers that give up it their was, kids are uh, always late to meet them the first time. It it's so like brutal. always a disaster. But then you did meet him, and what happened? I, did. I don't know. He was black. That would have been classic. <laughs> Just like that Dick Van Dyke episode where they thought they had the wrong baby, and then the guy because I remember. Oh, I remember Bill Persky. Oh my God, because he wrote that episode. So me and William, we um. I had a cooking show uh. on the Food Network, and William, inter- did you inter- Oh, no, I brought no, you to you the meeting. Me. I met this guy, Bill Perskin. He used to write the Dick Van Dyke show, and he would just tell us these stories. He goes, we wrote the best episode. He was one of those old men, you know, like that I'm going to be in 10 years. Um, to- or you're I'm circling, already there. You're I know. circling right to, now. <laughs> pretend like it's not happening. But uh, he was like, we wrote the best episode of the Dick Van Dyke. They thought they switched babies. It broke the mold of all racism in television. <laughs> and then and the guy comes out and it's Garrett Morris. And turns out, There's no way it can be that baby. And then, oh, it's the best episode of one Emmy's bullet. But it didn't win anything. But um, Was that Garrett Morris? Yeah, it was Garrett Morris. No. The little Very kid? handsome Garrett Morris. No, not the little oh, kid. The- it was the father. Oh, so. Oh, um, and then, you know, he's like, and that was the best. Life. So he was, anyway, we had this show. So I bring um, William to the first meeting when we're trying to get the show on the Food Network. And there was this 15-year-old girl in uh, comedy. Her name was Casey Frazier. Uh, yeah, and she was, like, uh, doing really well as a 15-year-old. Barry Katz was manager. It was her. weird. It was, a it was weird. Really, it was weird. It was because weird. she was 15 and it was awkward. Had any of us seen her act? Did he see his? Did any of us see? I, I've never seen it. We just heard like, "Well, she's going to be great. She's going to be great." But she she was just okay. But in the uh, business, we were all like, "Oh my god, that's just bizarre!" Right? It was bizarre. So then we went to this meeting, and just before we got in the elevator to meet with this dude who was a, this legendary guy, I told him like, "Oh, by the way, he thinks Casey Frazier's a genius." And you're like, "What?" And I stumped him up because we couldn't even believe that this old man thinks Casey Frazier's. Why would he think Casey Frazier's a genius? But he was being a dirty old man because he was 15. He was kind of hot. So, um, which I, I get that. That part I get, but I'm not going to say she's a genius. No. So anyway, I'm listening to Siri. I'm listening to uh, Gilbert Gottfried's podcast, and he has Bill Persky on, and I couldn't believe I called him, and we hadn't talked in like a year. I called you, William, oh, right, and right, I right. called him because I'm like, 
you're not going to believe this. I was just listening to Bill Persky talking. He goes, well, I was just over this house. This girl, Casey Frazier, has this daughter who's about 10 years old, and she is brilliant. I'm like, I'm like, she's, he's still obsessed with that fucking Frazier family. What is that? Now he's obsessed with that girl's daughter. What is that about? Well, first of all, how old is he? He was old when I we thought met he was. Him. I couldn't believe he was alive. Yeah, he was old when we met him. But maybe that's the way it is. Like when you meet somebody when you're younger, like your teachers. It turns out our teachers when we were in elementary school were probably like five years older than us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that's true. But that's you true. never know. Like how could they still be alive? So it's, uh, you know, that's the uh, whatever. <laughs> well, this is how I know that we're really old because th- now this was before we were born. But, like, this is the kind of stuff that, like, I, it's funny. I was playing this the other day. This is what all James Bond movies, which are still very powerful and make a lot of money. But this is the first one, and this is how you know the franchise is really old. Listen to this music in the background, the way it works. This is the end of <laughs> No! That's the end of Dr. No. <laughs> and it's just like it's a movie like we grew up as kids watching. Like, these movies stink. And that's like started this unbelievable franchise. But it sounds like we're so Horrible. old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like that movie came out like the, like the year we were born, oh you know, like God. which is so that and it just makes me feel so old. I'm like, the sound's not even right. It's like it's like it, 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 it's off key. And that's not from the recording you took. That's just how it was. Yeah, no, I took the recording off the TV. Oh, all right. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. I checked twice. I checked like a, a bunch of times and I kept playing it back and I kept watching it again. It was on stars. Oh, all right. All right. Like it was just weird. That's all. That's the end show music. Nice. William, I had a lovely time today. I enjoyed doing the podcast from here. Fellas, thank you very much for uh, letting thank us... Thank you very uh, much. I really had a good time. Your studio is amazing. Exhaust Studios. Exhaust. What? what are... Exalt. Oh, Ex- Exalt. Oh, Exalt? Nice. Oh, I'm sorry. Nice. Did I say Exhaust like a whole bunch of times already? Because I'm exhausted. But I don't sleep well. You're exhausting. Exalt Studios. Where is that from? Like, what is it? Why is it called that? There you go. Nice. Nice. That's the answer I wanted to hear. And I can't believe you went to the Redskins game last night. I can't believe you flew all the way back for me, and I appreciate that That's very amazing. much. That's very, very kind. Commercial. we were watching that game together. These gay guys are unbelievable <laughs> because they actually love football. I was very surprised. I know. I, I thought for sure. And they, like, had it on. I'm like, you guys are watching the game? I mean, I was going to watch the game, too. Think about it, though. Think I went, about I it. I go to the... Um, <laughs> we watch rugby also. Well, that I know why you watch that. Right. But uh, <laughs> I, um, uh, uh, I go to all the Giants tailgates, but I don't care. Like, I love football, and I have a football pool and everything. I love gambling. So, but I go to all the Giants games because I used to have Jets season tickets. I'm a Jets fan, but now I gave up. Now I'm a Patriots fan because it's just easier. But, um, but I used to have Jets season tickets, but I gave up because uh, going to the Giants games is a classier set of people. So you have better food, and it's a better deal, but... So this year I'm going, I'm getting real messed up, and then I'm egging this lady's house, like October 8th. That's what I'm doing. So whenever this airs, it might have happened already. I was going to say, why would you put yourself out there like that? Oh, I don't care. Oh, okay. Everyone (laughs) who listens to my podcast, the three or four people, they know I'm egging this lady's house on a certain day. It doesn't matter. I've said her name. I I haven't said her address. But it's by the Meadowlands. That might be a felony in some some cities. It's egging somebody's house. Nobody cares. I have a lacrosse stick. I'm putting about five eggs in it, and I'm going to whip it because it's only me, right? But then I got a boom box with uh, tire screeches. 
So then I can, because I have a minivan, so I can't get it to screech. So, because if you egg somebody's house and you don't have the screeches after, it's like a complete waste of time. So, anyway, everybody, thank you so much for listening to The Other Nightfly with Dave Jessica. And we had a great time from sunny LA. Ladies and gentlemen, it is The Nightfly with Dave Jessica. William McLaughlin, thank you for a lovely time. Thank you for and, having me. Uh, we'll see you, uh, my co host, all this week. And we'll see you next time on the podcast, everybody. Good night. <laughs>